Here's what I want you to do. I, I, I want you just for a moment to think about what it is that you're dealing with, wrestling with, going through. Might be a person, place, or thing. And I want you by faith just to turn it over to God. I mean really turn it over to God. And recognize that it's in him we live, move, and have our being. He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask or think. He is my help, the source of my strength. Come on. Come on, everybody sing it. My help, sing it for yourself. Father, we bless you and thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to come with the people of God to worship corporately together, together again. And we pray now that as your word goes forth, it would find fertile ground in the hearts and minds of your people, that we would be not just hearers of your word. Help us to be doers as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Apostle Paul makes it clear that love is to be the goal and end of everything we do. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, is followed by 1 Corinthians 14. In verse 1, Paul says, let love be your highest goal. Above all else, it's not about the gifts that you have. It's not about the accumulation of cars, cash, commodities, and creature comforts. He says, let love be your highest goal. And in verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 16, he says, let all that you do be done in love. <laughs> but let's be honest. Love is not always the easiest thing to live, and it's not always the easiest thing to give, especially when you have some unloving and unlovable people. You know what I mean? I mean, people that you look at and you say, all right, I got you, Lord, except for that person. 
Like, I claim Holy Ghost exemption right now in the name of Jesus on that one. But here's what we need to understand about this love that God wants us to give. This love is not based on whether or not the person deserves it. This love is not dependent upon whether or not the person earns it. This love is really dependent upon whether or not you have received it and whether or not the person needs it. See, each one of us, whether we want to admit it or not, we were loved when we were at our worst. And the truth of the matter is, even if we're a little bit better now, we are still not at the place where we could earn or deserve God's love. But what God says to you and what God says to me is, as my children, you are to be a conduit of my love. So when somebody needs to feel my loving hands, they should feel my love through your hands. When they need a kind and loving word, they should hear kind and loving words from your mouth. When they need a kind and loving hug, they should be able to get that kind and loving hug from your arms. When they need somebody to stand by them when the storms of life are raging and I am there, they should also sense that I am there in you when you stand beside them. Today, I want to continue our series, I Am Hope. Everybody say, I Am Hope. hope. The recognition that we can't hide behind the plural we or us, that this is a personal thing between God and you in terms of what God has done for you and what God expects from you. And I want to conclude what we started last week, part two of our message entitled, Learning How to love all people, learning how to love all people. Now, can I tell you something? I got to tell you this. It's amazing how many times sermon topics come up and they seem to fit what you've been going through in your life. You know what I mean? Like, you'd be like, how to love your enemies. God, dog, here come the biggest enemy, man. I thought you were gone out of my life. You're like, woo, here you come. And typically what God will do is either bring the object lesson before you hear the sermon or after you hear the sermon. So if you haven't had it happen yet, just wait this week. You're going to have some people It's going to be hard to love and the Holy Ghost is going to say, now what did the pastor say? What did God say to you through his word? And what does God expect from you? The Bible is clear. God is love. He created you as an act of love. He saved you as a sacrifice of love. And now God wants you to be a person who grows in having love and grows in showing love. Last week, I gave you three simple principles that I just want to run through quickly just to kind of set the context of these last points. Told you last week, you need to recognize you are expected to love all people. Our foundational text, 1 Thessalonians 3.12, we'll look again at it today. But the Apostle Paul says, you and I are to make our love for one another and for all people grow and overflow. There's an assumption that love is present for one another and all people. What a tragedy that those of us who are in the body of Christ 
can't love like we should within the four walls of where we meet, let alone those who are outside in the world. And you can't export what you haven't imported. If it's not in your heart, you really can't give it through your hands and through your mouth. Secondly, we said you need to realize love must be shown by your actions, not merely your words. That poet laureate of the 50s, 60s, 70s and on, James Brown said, talking loud, saying nothing. And that's because your actions don't show up to support your words. A lot of style, no substance. Thirdly, you ought to show God's love to all people because God shows his love to all people. If you want to know how to act, look at how God acts, look at how Jesus acts, and as his child, as the one who has been saved by him and called to be his ambassador, we should never do anything that is contrary to what God or his son would do have done, and we should do what the Lord has called us to do. It's kind of like that game, follow the leader. Whatever the leader does, that's what you're expected to do. And whatever God does, whatever the Lord does, that's what he expects you to do. If God loves all people, then God expects you and God expects me to love all people. No excuses, no exceptions. Here's the first thing today as we continue our look at learning how to love all people. Number one, you need to realize loving all people reveals the true love of God is really in you. Loving all people reveals the true love of God is really in you. Verse 43, Matthew chapter 5. Let's read it together in the subsequent verses. You have heard that it was said... You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I think most of us, without even knowing it, practice a kind of counterfeit Christianity. Now, when treasury agents are being trained on how to spot counterfeit money, they don't bring counterfeit money to train them on counterfeit money. They train them with real money. They show them what real money looks like. Why? Because there's an infinite number of counterfeits that can be out there. But when I train you on real money and you get the feel and the look and the touch, you understand what real money feels like and looks like. Now, when you're looking at a counterfeit, anything that's counterfeit should be different from the real thing. 
And I believe there are many who are practicing counterfeit Christianity, calling ourselves real Christians, when in actuality, in Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount starts laying out what real Christianity looks like, what it really looks like to be a Christ follower, everything else is counterfeit. He says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. And you know what we say, right? Amen, Jesus. That's right. Got that. Got enough hate to go around. Got some love. I know where to get at, but I know where to unleash my venom. I know where to go. Oh, yeah, Lord. Immediately, Jesus. Right? And then here comes Jesus. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, remember that word, love, the verb form, agapao, from agape. It's not a feeling, which we cannot help. It's not something that comes and goes. It's a determination of the mind. It's an exercising of our will to express unconditional love and unconquerable goodwill to those who are in need of it, even if they don't deserve it. And the truth of the matter is the height of that love is really hardly ever deserved because that's the love that finds people at their worst to help them become their best. It's the power to love those who are not like us, those who don't agree with us, those who don't think like us. It's the power to love those we don't like. I mean, just real talk. It's the power to love those we don't like. And the truth is, we can only have this kind of love to conquer our natural tendency to hate those who are not like us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you something? You can't get there in your flesh. Your flesh is not good enough. Matter of fact, when you get to a place where somebody's getting on your last nerve and you're getting angry and mad and frustrated, can I tell you something? It's at that moment you are right in the middle of your flesh. The Holy Spirit is nowhere around that because the Holy Spirit is supposed to be moving you towards love. When you're in your feelings, you are in your flesh. And God says, no, we are not to walk by flesh or by sight but by faith and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Think of the person who you find the hardest to love. Who, who's the most difficult person? You will, I mean, who's the person that you said, man, put them up there? Uh, it's hard for me. I mean, for some of us, a rapist, an abuser, a child molester, right? I mean, we, we look at them people, it's like heinous, right? I mean, Man, a, a person that's a child molester, they got to keep them away from the rest of the prisoners. Because even the fellas in prison have a code, right? Like you do something to a child, you in trouble in prison. They got to put you in solitary confinement. Think about the hardest person it is to love. And then realize this, right next to them on that stage, for somebody else is you. 
Because somebody struggles with loving you. So watch what Matthew 5, 43. Actually, go to verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What does it mean to pray for your enemies? That, man, that, that, that's a mind-blowing thing. What does it mean to pray for your enemies? The word pray there is a word that means to supplicate. It's also translated some places to worship. And it's always in the context of praying to God fervently. Write that down, please. Praying to God fervently, pouring out your whole heart and total being to God. This is serious prayer. This is not now I lay me down to sleep prayer. Right? This is like serious. God, I, I want you, just like if you say, I, Lord, if I ever needed you before, I sure do need you now. This is one of those sincere, heartfelt prayers that you make to God. And Jesus says that's the kind of praying you should do for your enemies. Now listen to me carefully. Most of you don't talk to your enemy. Let alone pray for your enemy. And when I say pray for your enemy, some of y'all are thinking, how can I tuck that name in? In a little slot and meet the requirement to pray for my enemy. No, God says, I want you to pray sincerely for your enemy. Person gets on your nerve. How much praying have you done for that person? Person that did you wrong. How much praying have you done? I got to tell you, while I'm preaching, I'm convicted. Because the Holy Ghost is bringing some folk to my mind, just like he's bringing it to your mind. I mean, I got some folk. I'm like, Lord Jesus. God, ooh, Jesus. Yes, Lord. I got to pray. I want to stop right now and write down some names. And the Holy Ghost said, you ain't got to write them down. I'll remind you. Just keep on preaching. See, here's the truth. Loving and praying for your enemies is against human nature. It's against human nature. We have been taught, we have been raised from the beginning of time and the beginning of our time that anybody who's against you is your enemy. You don't love them, you fight them. That's why the only way you can love and pray for your enemies is to tap into the divine love of God that is in you. When you recognize the divine love of God is in you, God says you've got to trust the Holy Spirit now and allow the Holy Spirit to guide your prayer life for your enemies. Look at some examples. Look, look at Luke 23, verse 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they cast lots to divide his garments. He's on the cross. They've crucified him. He is dying, paying for their sins. And of all the things that Jesus would say, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Now, come on, let's be honest. If you were on that cross, there might be some things coming out of your mouth. You might be, look here, beep. You might just get this over with, beep. Because I ain't never, beep, beep, beep. Right? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff be coming out. 
Jesus says, Father, forgive me. Now, I already know what some of y'all are saying. Some of y'all are saying, but I ain't Jesus. I, I believe I'm saved, but I ain't Jesus. Don't put that Jesus standard on me, Pastor. I am not Jesus. But here's what I want you to know. You don't have to be Jesus. All you have to do is be filled with the Spirit, be controlled by the Spirit. Look at Stephen in Acts chapter 7, beginning at verse 59. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Listen to Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. May it not be charged against them. Look at verse 17. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. And listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Finally, all of you have unity of mind Sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and an humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to those you were called, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Your ability to love others should move you to pray for others. And I want you to notice something that he says here because I think it's, it's amazing. He says, this ability to love your enemies, look at your outlines, loving your enemy will make your loving others perfect or complete. It's like, what's missing in your love bag? What's missing in terms of you meeting the love requirement, right? Uh, those of you who remember when you went to school, you had some prerequisite courses, and you would go meet with a counselor, and the counselor would say, before you could take the advanced courses, there were certain prerequisites that you had to meet. And once you met those prerequisites or when it was time to graduate, that there was a, a, a course guide, a course load that you had to complete in order to graduate to get the degree that you received. The Lord says, what makes your love complete? Loving your Neighbors, loving your friends, incomplete. Course not finished. Loving those who love you, course not finished. Loving your friends, hating your enemies, course not finished. He says when you love your enemies, your love will be perfect. And that word perfect literally means complete. Finished. Done with. Like, if you're wondering where you are on the love spectrum, are you really loving like God has loved you, and are you really loving like God has commanded you? He says, well, <laughs> one more test. Are you loving your enemies like you should? You say, well, I'm loving my enemies, I think. I, I just don't like their ways. <laughs> right? I don't like their ways, but I love them. And then Jesus says, are you praying for them? 
Are you praying for them? Love seeks the opportunity to do good no matter what and seeks the opportunity to do good to all people. Let's go to the second thing. Number two, you must commit to doing all you can to grow and expand your love for all people. You must do all you can to grow and expand your love for all people. Look at verse 12, the B part. Make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow. Just as our love for you overflows. Circle the word grow and circle the word overflow. Paul is not concerned with whether or not they have love. It's assumed based on Paul's words that the Thessalonians have love. Paul says, now I've got to challenge you to this next level. Make sure your love is growing. That you are growing in your walk with God. That you are growing in your spiritual maturity. That you are growing and becoming more like Jesus and less like yourself. Are you growing? Um, Paul makes a statement in Corinthians that there are many of us who should be eating meat, but we're still drinking milk because we haven't grown like we should. That there should be some growth, measurable, demonstrative growth. We should see action that says, I'm growing. I'm loving more this year than I loved last year. The fruit of the Spirit is manifesting itself in my life more this year than it did last year or than it did five years ago. If you are as frantic and as fleshy as you were five years ago, the problem is not other people. The problem is you. If you still run around talking about, I'll give them a piece of my mind. They don't want none of this. It's fitting to be on now. And you've been there since you've been saved, and you've been saved since the year of our Lord. There's something wrong. Are you growing in your love? Look at A. Grow in the kind of people you give love to. Grow in the kind of people you give love to. May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people. Not some people. All people. All people. You know, there's a group of people out there that we find hard to love, that seem almost tough and, and angry and, and bitter. And they are our children. My kids out on the street, right? No conscious, pathological, sociopaths, you know, right? Uh, years ago, they were labeled, our generation, labeled super predators, right? And you know what I discovered? The most powerful tool to change those kids is love. 
Now, here's what I've learned with people who are hard to love. Many times they've been so hurt and disappointed by people who said they love them and then they quit on them or they back out on them. So they almost put up this shell that basically says, you know what? You're going to have to fight through this to love me. And in essence, what they're saying is you're going to have to earn the right to love me. Because I've been hurt too many times before by people who said they loved me. They didn't get anything from them. They just really didn't love me. Now, y'all can say amen to kids out on the street, hardcore kids that we may consider thugs, gangsters, or whatever. But can I tell you something? The same is true in this room right now. There are those of you who have never let your significant other let your spouse in like you could. Why? Because you've been hurt in the past. And now folk got to fight through all of that unresolved stuff and unload all of that unresolved baggage to get to the place that they can actually love you and you can receive their love and then love them back. You got to grow in the kind of people you give love to. Unattractive, the homeless, the unclean, the prisoner, the murderer. We've got to grow in our love for one another. May not approve what they do, but I have to love the person. Got to love them truly. Look at uh, Lamentations chapter 3, beginning at verse 19. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my, law, over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I get new love every morning. Hey, wait a minute. Have you ever talked to somebody and they bringing up stuff and you say, why, 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 why are you still in the past? Can we let it go? Now, sometimes we do it joking, right? Like I, I'll do something, I'll say something, and then, you know, somebody, I'll say, man, can't you let it go? It's like, well, it just happened five minutes ago. What do you mean, can I let it go? Right, but for some of us, it's like five years. So sometimes it's a lifetime, right? And it's like, when are you going to let it go? Listen, your ability to love, you love out of a reservoir of new mercies that you receive every morning. Every morning. Every morning. You get new mercies. I can't give out all the mercy that God has given to me. And if I thought I could give it all out today, tomorrow I got a whole new load of new mercies. which means every day I should be willing to give out what God has given to me. Look at B. Grow in the amount of love you give to people. You not only want to grow in the kind of people you love, but grow in the amount of love you give to people. All people, let your love, there it is, grow and overflow just as love for you overflows. 
The word for grow there means to make, to increase, or to multiply. Love more. That's what God says. Love more. You might say, I love enough. That's all the love I'm giving. God says, love more. You say, that's all the love I can give. And it may be all the love you can give in your flesh, but it's not all the love you can give by power of the Spirit of God. God says, love more. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. And godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 1.3, let's read it together. We ought to always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right. Because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. When your love grows for each other, it is going to edify people and bring glory to God. Now, I used this example last week, and I hope some of you have been working on it, because you might not have even realized what's been going on. But you've got to work at growing in love. Husbands and wives, you've got to work at growing in love. If you feel like you're growing apart, that's because you're not working to grow together. You've got to work to grow in your love. But watch what the Bible says. Not only should we grow, it says we should also overflow. Our love should overflow. It should uh, be in excess, be abundant. Uh, to have enough and then some to spare, right? It's pouring something in a cup. The picture is pouring something in a cup, and it gets to that place that is reasonably full. Uh, you, you used to get in those cups, I don't know if you still do, when you go to a fast food restaurant, they would have the serving line, right? They would have that line, and that's what they were supposed to fill it up to, and that line was never at the top of the cup. Right, it was always below the cup, and sometimes you go somewhere and they'll and you say, "Can I get a little bit more in there?" Right, because they leave space. But this kind of love not only comes to the top, but it spills over. It spills over. The love of God towards you overflows. It spills over, and because the love of God towards you overflows, He says your love for one another should overflow. In other words, you should be living and overflowing in that love in every way possible. If anything, you should err on the side of loving too much, never loving too little. Somebody should accuse you of loving too much. Man, I don't know where you get that kind of love from if it was me. But that's the kind of love that you and I are called to have. A love that overflows. The love of God that was shown to you is the love that you are to show to others. Let's just read a couple more scriptures and then I'm going to let you go. 1 John chapter 3, look at verse 16. 
Let's read verses 16 through 19. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so that we will be confident when we stand before God. I want you to underline a phrase here uh, in the first part of verse 16, actually the second part. Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also are to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. What does that mean? When God calls you to give up your life, in the extreme, we can talk about the sacrifice of our life and dying. But you know what I believe is also applicable here? Dying to self. Like if I know a sister in the body is walking with children and I've got four cars and can't get around to driving all of them, no, even if you got four and you're trying to decide and you get around, you drive a new one, you drive a different one every day. If you have more than you need and you see somebody in need, right, I don't care what the number is, you, somebody in need, am I, am I willing to help? Am I willing to give up my life? Am I willing to give up my stuff to show that the love of God is in me? God says, we have to learn, brothers, we have to learn, sisters, how to grow in our love and let that love overflow. That's the only way we can love the way God wants us to love. Let's close with Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. 1 John 4, 7. This will be the last one. I know I said that three times, huh? Okay, for real, this is going to be the last one. Like the old priest, I'm fixing the clothes now. I'm fixing the clothes now. I'm really fixing the clothes. Okay, 1 John 4, 7. Dear friend, let's read it together. I'm sorry. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for the love, for love comes from God and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God's. Man, every time I read another verse, I want to read that one too. Y'all read it at home, all right? Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray now that we have been convicted by your spirit, but even more than conviction, that we would change our attitudes and our actions so that we would not just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers as well. Help us, God, to grow in our love and allow our love to overflow. Um, help us to pray for those that we deem to be our enemies, 
we see as adversaries, we see as against us. Help us to sincerely pray for them, asking God to do what only he can do. We love you, we thank you, and we bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.